0: Hello, air warriors and welcome to another episode of chevrons a podcast for the enlisted force i'm command chief master sergeant sean sullivan and i am
1: technical sergeant jay whitaker with us today is we have command sergeant major campbell how are you doing this morning
2: i'm doing awesome this morning thanks for asking thanks for having me on the show
0: today no problem and i'm going to start with the first question sergeant major because half our audience is going to be going sergeant major wait air force podcast right. who is this person why don't you uh, give us a little tell us a little bit about yourself give us your background your military assignments and uh just a bit of who you are
2: so it's yeah so where do i start Sergeant so i major campbell uh, so i'm currently serving as the uh state command sergeant major and senior enlisted leader for the Adjutant general of the massachusetts national guard um, so obviously that combined that encompasses both the army guard and the air guard uh, within massachusetts uh, I am a Massachusetts Guardsman, Nations First. Uh, been in the Massachusetts Guard uh, for over 40 years. I enlisted when I was a senior in high school. Um, still going to high school and decided that I wanted to be involved in aviation some way, somehow, because I had gotten my private pilot's license while I was in school. Uh, so I enlisted in the Guard and, and went into Army Aviation uh, as, as aircraft engine mechanic uh, down on Cape Cod at, at then Camp Edwards. Um, and so spent most of my guard career in aviation, in the aviation community, uh, worked my way up through, you know, every rank, had every position, was a first sergeant for the maintenance company, uh, deployed, um, back in 2005 for the first time. Um, and then came back, uh, got selected for sergeant major, um, became the battalion command sergeant major for the aviation battalion. Uh, and I worked my way up. Over the last several years, it's like I decided to uh, make myself a little uncomfortable and and stretch myself a little bit. So um, while I was still a a member of the Massachusetts National Guard, I took a couple of active duty tours. Uh, My first one, I served as a senior enlisted advisor for the Deputy Commanding General out at U.S. Army Pacific, uh, and spent three years out there uh, working guard equities with the USERPAC commander, uh, and and his staff. Uh, from there, I got selected to be uh, to go into the uh, Sergeant's Major Academy Fellowship Program, where uh, thanks to uh, some senior NCOs in the Army, um, the Army sent uh, 20 of us um, that that year, that cohort four, 20 of us to Penn State to earn our master's degrees in adult education uh, with a promise that I would serve two years as an instructor at the Sergeant's Major Academy. So, uh, after graduating from Penn State University, uh, I served two years as an instructor in uh, the joint department, joint interagency, multinational operations. Um, and then from there, I got uh, actually got a phone call from the command senior enlisted leader at U.S. Southern Command, um, NCO that I'd worked with out at USERPAC, um, knew some of the things that we had done, Uh, from the guard perspective and from an enlisted leader development perspective. And he was now the command senior enlisted leader at Southern Command, Uh, and he was trying to stand up a program with our partners and allies in South America. So he called me up and said, I'd love to have you come down. Um, So I worked for him for a year, built that program, and that's when the Adjutant General, General Keefe, um, you know, uh, reached out and and said he wanted me to consider uh, interviewing for the position back here in the state. So here I am. Uh, six months ago, I moved moved back to Massachusetts uh, to make my wife and my family happy. Right, they're they're good to be back in Massachusetts. Although I'm not liking
0: the cold so much, but we'll get there. So Massachusetts over Hawaii.
2: That wasn't my choice. It was,
0: <laughs> you know, I was, uh,
2: I had my choice. Maybe Hawaii was a little bit better. but.
0: And I just want to, uh, because a lot of our audience members might not understand some of the hierarchies of, of the different relationships. So uh, command sergeant major is the equivalent of a command chief in the Air National Guard. And for understanding for our Massachusetts listeners, and if there are other listeners from out of state, most states run the same way, where you're going to have a command sergeant major that would be working with the brigadier general that is the land component commander, and you're going to have a command chief master sergeant that's going to be working with the air component commander for the air assets, and then you have the we'll call it, it's it's called the C cell, the senior uh, the command senior enlisted leader that works directly for the TAG, and that's a joint position, uh, and it is currently being held by. Uh, Sergeant Major Campbell. Um, So in our working relationship, we have the land component commander, uh, who is uh, uh, Command Sergeant Major Pouillot, and then we have myself, and then we have uh, 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 Command Sergeant Major Campbell. So it it ends up being a synergistic team, all three of us working together. uh, We have our, uh, uh, Sergeant Major Pouillot and I have our focuses on the air and army side, where the Sergeant Major has his focus on the development and the advancement of the entire National Guard. And that's why we thought it was a great opportunity to have him here. Because enlisted development is enlisted development. Developing yourself as a leader is the same whether you are wearing uh, you know, your nameplate, this is United States Army, United States Air Force, Coast Guard, Marine Space Force. it matters not. It is the same. Uh, that the, the same principles apply. So, uh, again, thank you for being here. Sir. And, and Chief,
2: you me. bring up some good points, too, and I just want to add a little bit to that. And, you, know, we, you know, you talked about, you know, your relationship with, with General Gaglio and Sergeant Major Polio's relationship with, with General Kalin, uh, my relationship with the Adjutant General, General Keefe. But we see this, this enlisted officer relationship at all levels across the Department of Defense today, not just in the Army and Air Force, not just in the National Guard. You know, and it really starts at that, at that platoon level, you know, where you've got that new second lieutenant who's coming in and taking – in the Army side, it's a platoon, um, you know, and the Air Force side, probably a section where you've got that lieutenant in, in charge, where, but yet you've got a senior noncommissioned officer, probably at the E6, E7 level, right, that's got way more experience than that lieutenant does and that's helping shape and groom that lieutenant – you know, as they're growing in their careers, right, to be commanders because that's the difference. You know, NCOs, generally generally speaking, um, don't have command authority unless our commanders have given it to us, you know, whereas we can help shape those commanders and we can help guide those commanders um, to make good decisions for our soldiers and airmen.
0: Yeah, and in our enlisted force structure in the Air Force, it, it actually spells out that senior enlisted leaders are there to help mentor, lead, and guide your company-grade officers. But the really cool thing is how the relationship you go from guiding and mentoring and assisting – your uh your your company grade officers and then as you continue to build those relationships you really become a key advisor because i know that general gaglio uh includes me in a lot she she appreciates the enlisted voice i know every wing commander appreciates the same so it it's it begins being exercised for those leaders out there. You could be a tech sergeant, you could be a master sergeant, you could be working with a brand-new second lieutenant, first lieutenant, or a captain. That's where you learn how to build these relationships. That's where you learn how to, to build these functionalities and gain those trusts back and forth. And as you develop, um, as you develop through the ranks, you, 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 uh, you never lose that connection between you know, the command authority of your officers and your, uh, your ability to uh, be there as a wise counsel uh, on the enlisted side. What are some of the things that you're coming into your office with? Now, you've been in place about six months. Uh, it's given you time to kind of like look at the landscape. Where are your priorities? Where are your focus areas gravitating to now?
2: That's it, a great question. And it's, it's not the, the first time somebody's asked me my priorities. Um, you know, as a senior enlisted leader, you know, my boss's priorities are my priorities, right? And that's that's how every senior enlisted leader should look at it. You know, so when I look at, you know, my priorities, you know, my priorities, I, I look at the agent general. So his his priorities are field-winning teams, invest in our people, build enduring relationships, and encourage innovation. Those are his priorities. So, you know, when I look at it, so what do I want to focus on is, like, how can I help him get after those priorities, and how can I help the National Guard, the Massachusetts National Guard, achieve those objectives that the drone wants to. right? And so when I look at it, and, and this is a conversation he and I had when he decided to, to take a chance on me and bring me back to Massachusetts, um, was really looking at it from a leader development perspective. And, and not just – you know, how to you know, sending soldiers to school, you know, getting your M leadership school, getting your basic leader course or your advanced leader course, right? But it's about career progression. It's about how do we how do we grow our noncommissioned officers so that when they become the next, you know, command chief, state command chief, or the next state command sergeant major, or the next even the next battalion command sergeant major or, or group command chief, um, are they prepared right, kind of getting back to what you were saying earlier, it's like, are they prepared to be a good advisor to that commander, right? Do they have, are they able to connect, you know, that commander's vision and that commander's intent, right, translate it for their soldiers and airmen so that the soldier and airmen down at the grass, at the, the, the basic level understands why they're doing a task or why they're doing a mission and what's the bigger picture. Um, you know, looking at it from from a National Guard perspective, and i, I I'm not ashamed to admit it, right? 40 years in the National Guard, uh, and, and, you know, Chief Sullivan, you and I have talked about this a couple of times since I've been back here in the state. Um, You know, had I not stretched myself over the last 10 years to go out and do some things, the Massachusetts National Guard, right, every National Guard, but Massachusetts National Guard has a role in the national defense strategy and the national security strategy, and you know, the the, the defense strategy and, and the goals and objectives of the governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So we as guardsmen, right, especially us as senior enlisted leaders, need to understand what our role is so that, A, we know that uh, you know our commanders and their intent is getting after those objectives and we can provide them some sound advice so that we can translate it for our soldiers and airmen so that they understand why we're doing it. And it gives them that so what Um you know, because, you know, the the Department of Defense, the Army today, right, the Army, the Air Force today is not the Army or the Air Force that you and I enlisted in. Hmm. You know, where, you know, 40 years ago when that drill sergeant or that platoon sergeant said, you know, private, do this, and, and you just went to rigid attention and you said, you know, yes, sergeant, that's I'll go do that. Soldiers in the Army today want to understand why. And it's okay, right? There's nothing wrong with 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 given that soldier-airman the why. Why are we doing this, right? How does it fit into the bigger picture? Um, and it kind of goes back to the conversation we had earlier today with, um, with the wing commander, um, that, you know, when, when our soldiers and airmen see the fruits of their labor, when they see the results of what they've done and how it impacts things in the state, in the commonwealth, in the nation, right, it kind of gives them that sense of satisfaction, and it brings them back to work tomorrow, right, to continue to serve.
0: It's that impact. And that, that's one of the things that, that I want to uh, message to the airmen that are listening. It is the impacts that you can make that give you that inner sense of belonging, that make you feel that, that joy of wearing this uniform because you know you made a difference, And what better way to continue to make a difference than to do exactly what you just said, getting out of your comfort zone. It could not have been an easy decision to turn around and to take assignment and to move halfway across the globe as a Massachusetts National Guardman who loved the Commonwealth. I mean, it took you away from your love of aviation, but it allowed you to develop and to move further into Uh, you know, further your career, but further develop yourself as a human being, as a soldier, um, you know, as a guardsman. Uh, What advices could you give to some of our younger listeners, some of our people that are in that E1, E4, maybe E4, E6 range, Who are not going to have that opportunity to go be be a first sergeant or command sergeant major somewhere. What can they start doing to start developing themselves, getting out of that comfort zone and increasing their impact
2: yeah, so I, I actually, Chief, I'd like to take that kind of a two-part question. So e, I, And I'm going to say E1 to E4, your priority at the E1 to E4 level is get good at your job, whatever that job is, you know, whether you're a defender, whether you're an aircraft mechanic, whether you're an infantryman, you know, what, whatever that job is, get good at that job, all right? Once you're good at that job, you know, then, it, it, and, and I'll encourage service members, and and, and I always have, right, it's a phrase especially I used when, when I was teaching at the academy was, you know, once you hit that non-commissioned officer rank, right, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Right? It's hard. It, it, it's it's very hard. We're, we're human beings, and human beings want to have predictability. We want to have routine. We just are. We're, you know, it's it's human nature. I mean, I spent 30 years as an investigator understanding human nature, right? So, so for once you hit that non-commissioned officer rank, you know, if you want to eat four, get good at your job. Once you hit that non-commissioned officer rank, get comfortable being uncomfortable. So, you know, when I came into the army, you know, 40 years ago, it was always don't volunteer for anything, right? That was always kind of the message that we were given <laughs> yeah. as, as young <laughs> practice. Don't remember. volunteer for nothing, right? <laughs> yep. Um, but I, today, that, that's bad advice. You know, volunteer for new experiences, um, you know, for all soldiers and airmen, it's like, you know, I, you know, there are days that, that I wish I had, you know, uh, a first sergeant or a platoon sergeant, you know, 30 years ago that kicked young Specialist Campbell or, you know, young Buck Sergeant Campbell in the butt saying, hey, get out of aviation, go try something different, right? Go try new experiences and, and do something that you haven't done before, right? I didn't have that, right? And, and so now I, when I talk to soldiers and airmen today, once you're good at your job, if you want to go try something different, Go try something different, right? Go try a new experience um, because if, if when you do that, when you go try something new and you stretch yourself and you stretch your ability, you become a better individual. And if you become a better individual, we get a better organization, right? And that's the way to look at it. And, and one thing I will say, and, and I learned this, you know, over the last 10 years, you know, working with our Coast Guard partners, you know, one of the things that I would, there, there's a part of me that wishes we would do this across the DOD is take a page from the Coast Guard playbook. Um, what I learned is, is when a Coast Guardsman enlists, they don't get rated when they come in. They go to basic training, and then they get assigned to a unit. Now, like for, for, for a soldier, they, you know, go to basic, go to AIT, you know, they enlisted for a specific job, same thing in the Air Force. The, and you go to your tech school, and you come back, and you start doing that job. Well, that job you got is probably what the quota was that the recruiter had, and maybe not necessarily what you wanted to do when you first walked into the recruiter's office. Uh, and that's not a slam on the recruiters in any way, shape, or form, because the recruiters, I mean, they, they really do try to match what you want to do with, with what our needs are, right? But the Coast Guard playbook, what they do is, so the, the, that Coastie graduates from, from basic training, and they go to a unit, and they get an opportunity for a period of time, and I forget how long it was, to try different jobs within that unit. And then they decide, hey, this is what I really want to do, right? And then they go and get rated, and they go to school and, and get the rating for that particular career field. Um, I, I, I would love to, to be able to do some some in-depth analysis on that to see if their retention is better if their job satisfaction is better I don't know um, I would think that it probably would be because now it's not a you know I, like I said I, you know 40 years ago I walked into the recruiter's office say I wanted to be an aircraft mechanic and and so I was an engine mechanic I was a jet engine mechanic and and that I'm not saying it was or it wasn't but that may not have been my in my head when I walked into the recruiter's office I knew I wanted aviation. I knew I wanted aviation maintenance, but they sold me an engine mechanic slot, and I had a, I had a great time doing it. Don't get me wrong, but maybe there was something else in aviation that I might have liked more. I
0: don't know. That's interesting. I had no idea the Coast Guard did that that yeah. way. That <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: no, I, I didn't either until right. I, I was out at, at sector Honolulu talking to a bunch of coasties, and 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 it was actually. Uh, I was talking to one junior Coast, Coast Guardsman that, that was, work, it was, at the time, was working one of the small boats. And, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, what do you do? And, and that's when I kind of got the story. And it, he said he was getting ready to go to PAO school, to, to go to public affairs uh, specialist school, because that's what he wanted to right. do. He spent a little bit of time in the public affairs shop in, in Sector Honolulu, and that's, that's where he wanted, he wanted to go into public affairs
0: and help sell the Coast Guard message. I like that guy. <laughs> I, li- I like how they do it at that level. Like it, like in the air guard. So we have members here at the 102nd, at the 104th, whatever wing that, that's here listening. And you enlist in and you go to your job and you go to your tech school and you're doing it for a couple of years and your job satisfaction is low and you're just not – it's not a good fit for, for you. We have vehicles at that point where you can go to your, uni- your, your uh, career advisors or you can uh, go to your uh, retention recruiting manager within your wing and say, hey, what's available? Hey, do you want to do this? So we do have it, but it, it seems like it's, like, after the fact. So you already have, you know, several years invested into something that um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and it's a good
2: point because we do, and, and that's, you know, and it's across DOD, but I think we probably do a little bit better job of it in the Guard. You know, if, if we do put a soldier or airman into a position that they're either not quite fit for that job or they don't like that job or whatever. And so they can give them an opportunity to, to reclassify and go do something different. Yeah. I think, I think we do a better job of that yeah. in, in the, in the guard than, than our active duty brothers and sisters do. Um, but that is an opportunity, especially at the junior level. Yes. Right. Yeah. Especially at the ju- harder for guys <laughs> that are as old as you and me chief. Right.
0: Well, I was not at the first muster in Salem like you were, but uh, I am like right behind point. you age-wise. But at least I got that, my old uniform. <laughs> <laughs> one thing uh, that we're looking at for our future fight is uh, we could we we'd have no time in our future fight to become risk adverse individuals, and one of the. one of the things I think that makes people risk adverse is a fear of failure. But the one thing that I've learned throughout my career, I've never learned anything about myself from an easy victory. Now, I have learned a lot from bitter defeat. Uh, And we now have this mechanism where we can learn from our errors, from our mistakes, to help develop ourselves into better leaders. Do you have an example of a time that you may have done something or, uh, you know, put yourself out there, it did not go well, but you learned from it and were able to rebound? Only one?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, and you bring up a good point. And, and, I mean, you you and I are about the same age, so we grew up in that era of zero defect, That uh, that whole zero defect mentality, and that's the worst thing we can say. Um, because you're right. We, we learn more from our failures than we do from our successes. We really do. Um, you know, a, a, couple of, a couple of things that, that I can really talk to, you know, we talk about standards in, in both our services in Army and the Air Force, across DOD, right? And, and we talk, you know, to be a good soldier, to be a good airman, right? You have to follow the standards. Um, you know, so there I was, right? I was a battalion command sergeant major. Right, I haven't been in the army for a long time, um, you know. Throughout my career, up until that point, I my, I was a two pack of cigarettes a day a guy, right? Uh, so I quit smoking, and I gained a lot of weight, like most people do when they quit smoking. Um, but at that time, right? So you know, the, the army and the air force has a weight standard, right? And I can't quote the air force regulation, the army standard. It's not a weight standard; it's actually a body fat standard, right? So, um, so I was obviously over because I had gained so much weight after quitting the smoke and I had gained weight. Um, So I was over my table weight, right? But I was, I was taping out body fat every six months for a couple of years, right? Everything was going pretty good. And so, as I said, there I was, I was Command Sergeant Manager, just finished the PT test and, and scored the, the old APFT on a 300 scale. I just scored like a 260, 270 on the on the PT test, and, and went to get weighed in. Sure, I was over table weight, so now I'm getting taped. And I'm listening to the soldier taping me, calling off the measurements, and, like, the only thing going through my head at that point was, I'm going to fail, hmm. right? And, and that that was just listening to the numbers, and I'm trying to do the math in my head, and it's like, I'm going to fail. And, you know, the state command major at the time had just called me the week before before saying that, you know, hey, we're going to move you from the battalion. We're going to move you up to the 79 Troop Command as the CSM. And and I'm sitting there going, I can't be a command sergeant major and fail a tape. I just can't be that guy. Um, so it made me look at what I was doing and how I was living. Um, and I made some changes in my life. And so and that, that happened, and I'm – You know, I tell the story to a lot of soldiers that struggle with weight, soldiers and airmen that struggle with weight, that, you know, that happened in October, right? So now I'm hitting November, right? We're going through Thanksgiving. Everybody loves having a good time at Thanksgiving, right? So December's drill, I come back in, and, you know, even though that Thanksgiving, you know, I still ate kind of... You know, it cut down a little bit, but I still had two pieces of pie after dinner that that year. Um, but I was able to drop, I think, about, about 10 pounds that month, all right? kept on a steady course of watching my diet, watching my exercise, and ultimately was able to drop about 45 pounds. And I've kept it off since then just by, by changing my lifestyle and, and creating that new routine, right? So, you know, that's that's a personal story on that that aspect. It's like, you know, so soldiers and airmen that come to me and say, "Sir, Major, I can't, you know, I just, I try, I, tr- I struggle, I can't take the weight off. You can. You just have to really, really have to work at it sometimes, right? But as I said, you know, and we've all seen it in our, in our careers. It's like, you know, that Command Sergeant Major or that First Sergeant or, the, or that Commander, it's like, uh, there's no way they make tape, right? right. A- and, and I sat there saying, I don't want to be that leader, you know so you know that's one and and you know another example of, of failure right and and you know you kind of mentioned it a, a, a minute ago when when I rolled the dice and, and and put my name in the hat for that tour out in Hawaii um, you know that by at least the first month uh, working at, at the Usher pack headquarters I probably came home at, at night thinking what am I doing here Hmm. Like I have no idea like what I'm supposed to be doing, what some of this stuff is, how it fits. Uh, and at the time, yeah, I, I thought, hey, I'm a command sergeant major, right? I you know, brigade level, you know, I'm pretty good and, and I got out there and I didn't know what I didn't know. <clears throat> but it forced me again, it kinda goes back to getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, forced me to learn, forced me to grow, which, you know, allowed me to be successful at the end of the day.
1: Be too hard on yourself when you're, when you're, if you like you said, you don't know what you don't know, and so the fact that you're willing to even just grow and put yourself out there and eventually, you know, get up to speed. So, well, that's
2: why you know, I said earlier, it's like for not for any non commissioned officer, regardless right. of what service you're in, for every non commissioned officer, it, it really is that important to get comfortable being uncomfortable right. because you don't know what you don't know, right? And so, when you put yourself into that position where you are uncomfortable. And you might, you know, fall on your face or you might stumble. It's okay, Mm -hmm. right? Learn from it, right? Grow from it, right? You'll get a better organization and you'll get an experience to show and share with that young soldier or arraignment that's probably struggling with the same problem that you had 10 years ago.
1: Which eventually, especially if you're in a senior position and you're able to mentor a CGO, you know, that's that second lieutenant that we're mentioning earlier. And they need that they need that advice. They need that experience. They need that humility, you know. So thank you just for sharing that. Appreciate it.
0: And I love your tie-in, your example, and this is what I always try to like get out to people about getting out of your comfort zone. You used the example of you had to be uncomfortable dieting over the holidays. You had to up your PT. You had to go through those things to make yourself uncomfortable in an effort to get to where you're at now. And this, you know, this is being a, a podcast. There's no visual means. <laughs> For those of you who don't know Sergeant Major Campbell, he is a daily runner and extremely fit. Uh, it, it, extremely fit. Yeah, Looks yeah, the part. That, but, yeah. but you took the, the, that, that, that uncomfortable aspect and would be able to make that transformation. So here's where I want to make that analogy. We have a lot of listeners out there, uh, particularly some of the senior uh, enlisted leaders, some master sergeants, senior master sergeants and chiefs that have gone through physical transformations like yourself, but they don't realize that they can utilize the same tools, the same resilience, the same mindset to go through the same type of uncomfort, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, uh, and that same drinking from the fire hose, man, I went from being great (laughs) to, I think I suck back to, Hey, I really learned a lot and I developed the same thing in their professional careers, by getting out of that comfort zone, by taking some of those assignments, by going to that that class, by making it uh, an AFSC or a uh, change of squadron or whatever, it's the same thing developmentally. And every listener here had to go through something like that in boot camp because very few people go to boot camp or go to their military training uh, in ideal physical shape. We all go in. We're totally uncomfortable with the environment and with the and especially what we're doing in the physical realm, the physical pillar. So I just wanted to foot stamp that analogy for people out there that are listening. You know what you went through in physically to improve your your physique or to improve your run or to lose weight. You take those same tools, you take that same mindset, that same philosophy, that same thing that you're doing, and apply it to your career or your development, your leadership development. And find that thing out there that's going to make you uncomfortable, and go for it. Additional duty first sergeant, all the way up to being on the uh, on the solmo bench. Uh, for those listeners who don't know what that is, maybe we'll get to yeah. it.
2: Yeah, we can we, we can come back to the solmo bench. But but to your point too, and and so it's not just it's not just about us either, right? It's not just about us looking internally. Right. As non commissioned officers, we're responsible for our soldiers and airmen, right? For our service members to to groom and counsel and shape and mentor them as they're growing up. Uh, so it's important for us, you know, to to have those uncomfortable conversations with our soldiers and airmen if they're not quite meeting up to the standard. Right. And you know, and I know, you know, we've talked about this a number of times, and I don't know if it's been a, a topic on your podcast in the past, Chief. Um you know, I, in academia, we have great inflation, right? In the DOD, we have evaluation inflation, right? Um, and and so we, as non-commissioned officers, have to do a better job of that, right? We have to do a better job of of telling our soldiers and airmen, hey, you know what, you need to make some improvements in, in what you're doing, right? You need to get better at this, right? Not everybody's an A. Not everybody's a top block, right? Not everybody's, you know, most qualified, right? You know, it's, I I mean, I remember, you know, years ago as a civilian, you know, as a security director in the HR department was telling me about my evaluations, all had to meet this bell curve, right? That, you know, I could only have a certain percentage that were above standards, and I had to have a couple, you know, below standards, but and and i I, re- I remember i was i was a young security director right i'm arguing with the hr department you don't know my people it's like you can't tell me that they all fit into the bell curve but you know what fast forward it's not a perfect bell curve but the vast majority of society kind of fits some form of that hmm. right but i would argue that if you looked at our evaluations across the dod and across the massachusetts national guard right that we don't meet that bell curve on our evaluations. I bet you we have a high percentage of, you know, most qualified, best qualified, right, right. And, and very few at the needs improvement level, right. right? But reality says it's like we have soldiers and airmen that
1: need improvement,
2: right? I, and, you know, I'm not afraid to admit it. I need them. I'm not perfect at my job. Right. And I don't yeah. think you feel like you're perfect in your job. <laughs> not right. even and close.
1: Nope. Not even close over
0: here either. So <laughs> we're going uh, you know, we need to we need to do a better job of that. We do. I I am gonna take that as an opportunity to do a my uh my Sean Sullivan philosophical foot stomp on where what I think evaluations should go. So this is mm-hmm. not directive at all, this is just my opinion. Um I think that evaluations the process becomes the product and we're going through that now in the air force with the uh, myeval system and all that and everybody's worried about the process the process the process the process and and getting so many boxes checked off and then overinflating everything we're missing what we're trying to do and you said it right there trying to develop our people give them that hard conversation leaders if you're not talking to your people on a uh, on a, a drill basis at least quarterly or semi-annually, you need to be letting them know where they stand because they want to develop and they want to hear bad news. Uh, I had an old girlfriend one time uh, who had a puppy and the puppy would just go and would just piddle on the rug and she wouldn't scold the puppy, she wouldn't train the puppy, she wouldn't do anything to make the puppy better because it was receiving no guidance, no assistance, no direction. It just kept being on the floor and it got to the point where as it became an adult dog, it just thought that was the place to go to the bathroom. So when she got rid of the dog and gave it to another one of my friends, it went back to that same behavior. And now that person was going to go out and have that dog euthanized. Why? Because the original owner never took the time to have the hard, let's call it conversation with the puppy, uh, do whatever you need to do to, to show it that that's not the appropriate behavior. So, I guess that's my overall point. M- my philosophy is to make sure that you are talking to your people, that you are helping them develop, you're giving them hope for a future, you're letting them know how they fit into the organization, and let the process be the process, whatever it is. So, uh,
2: yeah, no, and, and, and actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal a quote. I, I, I still have a video that, that uh, I first saw it when I was a student at the Sergeant's Major Academy a million years ago. Um, it was General Schwarzkopf, and I know I'm gonna show my age here a little bit. So General Schwarzkopf was, was one of the commanders uh, in the first Gulf War, yeah. right? But he had done a, a video post-retirement, uh, and one of the things he talked about was, you know, most people, right, most people, because there's always that one or two, most people don't get up in the morning, get dressed, and go to work with the intent to fail. Most people don't do that. Most people get up in the morning, they get dressed, and they go to work because they want to succeed. Right? So it's our job, right? As non-commissioned officers, set clear, achievable, attainable objectives, right, and to provide honest feedback along the way to get back into that development, to get into that soldier and airman development, right. That allows that soldier and airman to succeed, so that they get to a position when they're in the next state command chief, right. They've gotten honest feedback along the way, so now they're going to be successful in that position, and they're not going to get into that position going. What's the state command chief do, right? What's the state command sergeant major do?
1: But what advice would you give to anybody? I know, I know, we've you've given, you've dropped a lot of great gems on here. But what advice would you give to anybody that's still trying to pivot? I mean, there, there's, you, you know, there, it's it's one thing to be uncomfortable, but you, let's say you're in a jam and you're just like, I have all these different directions that you want to go. You, which is that's a good thing. You got good problems. You got good options but what would you say to anybody that's trying to pivot? Because I know in the in the Guard, whether either Air or Army, you're always having to pivot.
2: Yeah, so the,
1: really make a decision. Right?
2: <laughs> make a decision. Um, now, I, I I would encourage every soldier in the airman, hey, you know, I'm going to use the word mentor, right? Unfortunately, we throw that word mentor, mentorship out, and we use it in a lot of different contexts. It's really not a mentor, but I would encourage everybody to have some kind of mentor, some mentor along the way, somebody that you can turn to that when you're trying to make that decision, right? It comes down to making the decision. But if you're not sure, if you've got, you know, five, six, seven different options, do you have somebody that you can turn to, that you trust, that knows you, that you can turn to that individual and say, you know, sir, ma'am, sergeant, this is what I'm thinking about doing. This is why I think I'm thinking about doing it. What do you think? Is this a good decision, right? Somebody you can turn to 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 give you that advice. And then once you make that decision, run with it, right? You know, and and I'm gonna go back to something I said earlier, right? So, you know, life is a series of decisions, right? And I go back and I, you know, I said it a minute ago that I wish at some point, you know, somebody had kicked young Specialist Campbell, young Sergeant Campbell in the butt and said, go do something different, go try something different. Like, yeah, there's a part of me that wishes that, right? But there's a part of me that says, because life is a series of decisions, had some non-commissioned officer kicked me in the butt 30 years ago and told me to go do something different, I wouldn't be sitting here talking with you, Sergeant Whitaker, Chief Sullivan, right? Maybe, but probably not, because my life would have taken a different turn. My career would have taken a different path. And I might have been doing something else. I might have ended up going to flight school, which is why I first joined the Guard and chose not to take the test, right? Right. I may have gone off to flight school, in which case I'd probably be long retired by now. Um, Who knows? But really, uh, circling back to answer your question, make the decision, right? Have a support group. Have a mentor that you can turn to, but make the decision and then run with it. Don't be afraid to to stumble a little bit because we're all going to stumble, right? We're all going to fall. Dust yourself up. Get
0: back in the saddle and keep on running. So, Major, I want to thank you for joining us here today. And uh, before we wrap up, is there anything that you wanted to get out to our audience or anything that you wanted to, uh, you know, put no, out? Chief, th- th-
2: thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a, it's a great opportunity, um, you know, definitely a great opportunity to be down here at the, the 102nd Intel Wing um, to learn about what you all are doing and for the Commonwealth and for our nation. Um, you know, for all of your listeners out there that that whether you're still serving in uniform or whether you've hung it up for the last time, um, thank you for what you do, right? Thank you for coming to work every day, um, serving the Commonwealth, serving our nation. Um, I encourage you all to to look to your left and right. Um, you know, you're, again, whether you're still serving or whether you have served, you had some great experiences. I've had some great experiences, you know, in my 40-year career right? Who's next, right? Um, You know, who's coming behind you, right? Who have you prepared um, to take your job, to take your role, right? To carry the Massachusetts Guard, to carry our Army or our Air Force, right? For the next 10 or 20 years. Something to think about.
0: I look forward to doing a lot more wing visits with you and and, uh, also spending some time with you visiting some armories. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I look forward to the next couple of years we're going to have together and i appreciate you coming on here uh sergeant whitaker thank you again uh always appreciate coming in and having you uh guide me through hosting these things
1: <laughs> i just sit back and listen chief it's just there's a lot of information to pick up so thank you for having me again
0: Then i just want to end with uh it's kind of like a little quote of something that just resonated with me and I wanted to put it out. And I actually got this off a t-shirt of all things. So sometimes the greatest wisdom you can get, you can get off of a t-shirt or a bumper sticker. And it says, never underestimate your impact and influence on somebody else. Be their reason. Just something that resonated with me and wanted to pass on to the collective. So thank you for joining us and we will see you on our next episode of Chevron's.